If you guys have your Bibles, will you please turn to Exodus chapter 19 and verse 34? Because I, wanna, I want you to, to put your eyesight on, on those uh, words and on, the, on that page there and uh, interact, if you will, mentally and with your imagination with this, with this uh, text that I have here this morning. This is a, um, this is a message that I'm uh, entitling Remember the Call, Remember the Upward Call, simply because I remembered that this was a message I preached similar um, three years ago, uh, back in February of 2014. It was uh, that, at that time I called it uh, The Call to Come, up to the mount with uh, Moses and to uh, visit with, with God uh, up on that mountain. And you'll see why here in just a few minutes. Now, let's go to God in prayer before we start. Lord, I just want to commit this time to you. This is your time. These are your words, essentially, Lord, and I just pray that they will not fall to the ground, Lord, here this morning, but I pray that they will accomplish those things for which they were sent. Lord, I pray that there will be no wasted words here this morning, but that every one, Lord, will have a purpose and an intention in the hearts of, of every one of us here this morning. Our hearts and our ears are open to you because we are hungry to encounter you, Lord, this morning. Because without you, just like St. Augustine said, our hearts, Lord, they're, they're they just, they, they, um, they long for you. And without you, we are desperate, Lord. But with you, we are at rest. We are at peace. We are at home with our creator and our savior. So we thank you this morning, Lord, for speaking to us. Exodus chapter 19, verse 34 says this. Um, then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain. And he said, this is what you're to say to the house of Jacob. See, he's going he's to speak to Moses, and then he's going to also talk to the people. Now, what's, what's happening here? Moses just led the people of Israel, the two million, over two million that were in captive, captivity in Egypt. In verses three and four. Yes, it is. It is three and four, not 34. Just go back. Just go back a little ways. 19, 3, and 4. So, so what's happening is that he had just led the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of that captivity where they had been captive for generations, right? He led them across the Red Sea. He, the people saw the marvelous acts of God, the mighty miracles of God. They could not deny it. And then they came through the wilderness, wilderness and and and. In just a second, you'll see how God says, I carried you all this way, just like we sang this morning. He carried us all this way. He carried Israel all that way through the wilderness to this place, Mount Sinai, in the Sinai Desert. That's where they are when this thing is written. And God says, Moses, I want you to get up here to the mountain because I got some things I need to talk to you about. And you're also going to go down and, and talk to the people and tell them what I'm, I'm going to say. So here's what he says. This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel. Same word for the same group of people. Same name. Israel and Jacob. You yourselves have seen what I have done in Egypt. How I carried you on eagle's wings and I brought you to myself. He didn't just deliver 
Israel from their captivity, from their bondage, from all the despair of generations. But he delivered them and he brought them to himself. Not only did he bring them to himself, it's how he brought them. He carried them on eagle's wings. Do you see the tender heart of God? He carried them on eagle's wings. And here's, here's what else he says. Now look, if you'll obey me, if you'll hear my voice, because he wants to speak to them and he wants to speak to us. If you'll hear my voice and fully obey my voice and keep this covenant that I'm going to make with you, then out of all of the nations on the earth, you're going to be my treasured possession. You see how personal God is being with Israel. You will be my personal possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you're going to be for me also a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. In other words, he's going to set them apart for a function. Do you know what the function of a priest is? Some of you think you know. Maybe he just takes confession in, in the Catholic Church. But here's what God says the function of a priest is. And this is what the function of the people of Israel are to be among the nations. They are to function as anointed ones to stand before God on behalf of the nations. They are to function to stand before men then on behalf of God. And each one of us has that same call upon our life and the church, in both individually and corporately as the church of the Lord Jesus, he is calling us with a priestly call. He wants us to stand before him for men. And I'll tell you what, if we're going to stand before men on, before him or for, on his behalf, then we better be sure that we stand before him on the behalf of men as well. Should we not? In intercession for them. Well, the reason I thought about this scripture and about this message that I had preached three years ago is because in Celebrate Recovery, we're, we're on step 11. Now, I know that some of you are going to say, well, you know, it's taken us three years to get there. <laughs> and it has. Because we take, we take these steps, one, we take them seriously, we take them slowly. They're important. Steps to restoration, reconciliation with God, steps to uh, uh, restoration and rebuilding of our lives, putting, putting lives back in order that are out of order takes time. It takes, uh, uh, it, it takes a, an urgent and an intense um, care. But God says that if we will listen to him, hear his voice, and we will keep his covenant and his testimonies, his precepts and his laws, he says that my laws will bring order to your life and that order will bring peace to your life. If you don't have peace this morning, it may be that your life is out of order. But God has good news for you. He wants to bring it back into order Amen. and he wants to tell you how to do it.
On step 11, here's one way to maintain this relationship, this covenant relationship with him. Here's what the, here's what the step says, and then I'm going to give you the principle that it's based upon. Check this out. Step 11, we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our consciousness of God. Is that powerful? I tell you what, if you got a hold of that step and you practiced it, that would change your life right then and there. So we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God. And it's based upon principle number seven. Check this out. Reserve, we reserve a daily time with God for what? For self-examination, for Bible reading. Why? Because that's where God has intended to speak to us. Not the only way, but it's the best way and the most uh, trustworthy way. For self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer, in order to, in order to, or in order that we might know God, His will, and gain power to follow Him. Those words are very pregnant with meaning. Now, my CR people, whenever I use that word know or I come across that word know, most of you all know for yourselves that in scripture and in the Greek there, it's a very, very heavy word. It's not just to know about something or someone. It's to know personally, intimately, by personal experience. This is how God wants us, wants us to know him. Intimately, for ourselves, not about him, but intimately, and personally, by experience. But see, NCR is a, is a great program. It's a program. It is a program. And it's a great program. And there are, these are great steps. And these are great principles. But I always tell my guys and my gals that, that um, it's not necessarily the program that brings restoration and recovery. Because restoration and recovery will ultimately come from a person, not a program. And it's not just good information, but it's revelation from this personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? All right. Here's the key. Now, Moses has got a big job. He's led two and a half million people out of Egypt. They are a, they are a people that are in chaos and disorganization. And Moses has got to know God for himself if he's going to lead this people to fulfill the, the, the purposes and the calling and the destiny that God has for this people. He wants to make this people a blessing to all the nations of the earth. And Moses has got to know that God is God and that he is not. He's got to know that God has called him. He's got to know that God is going to be with him all the way. And he has got to know what God is like, what his character and nature is like. And so God calls him apart and he calls him to come up, way up and away into this mountain of Sinai to get up and up close and personal with him 
And here he's going to reveal himself. He's going to reveal his character and his nature. He's going to reveal his goodness and his graciousness. He's going to reveal his tender mercies, but he's also going to reveal the ferociousness of his holiness. So here he takes Moses up there to reveal himself. And then he wants Moses to re reveal what he hears from God to the people. And notice how God cares so much for the people. He says that he carries them on eagles' wings and he brings them to himself to be a treasured possession. Do you feel like a treasured possession this morning? He wants to speak to them. In other words, he wants to get intimate with these people and he wants to speak into the deep places of their hearts. He doesn't want to be just superficial with them. He wants to get personal and intimate, speaking to those deep places. And he wants to speak to their identity and to their destiny. And he wants to paint a picture of who he is and what they can be in relationship to him. So do you see God's heart? Do you see his urgency for this relationship, for this intimate relationship? It didn't start there with Moses. This is the way it's always been. This has always been the intention of God's heart is to have an intimate personal relationship with people. Right from Adam and Eve, from the very beginning of creation, check this out. When God created the heavens and the earth and all of the people therein, how did he do it? Well, he, he, he spoke it into existence. He says, all creation, the, that is the material creation, with all of its governing laws of cause and effect, listen to me now, this, this material creation, the physical creation, was spoken into existence with all of its governing laws of cause and effect. The animal kingdom was spoken into existence. God said, let there be this, let there be that, let there be light, let, us, let there be animals on the face of the earth, let there be uh, fish swarming and teeming in the seas. And God saw that it was good. He spoke them into existence. The animals with their laws of instinct, the physical uh, material creation with its laws of, of cause and effect. Now think of us. When God created people, what did he do? Did he say, and God said, let there be Alan and Rochelle and Mike no. What did he do? Did he say, let there be Adam and Eve? Let them find a place in the garden? Let me tell you what he did. He took a handful of dust from the earth and kind of like a potter up in his hands, he says, we're going to form, we're going to form them from the dust. I'm going to make a man and I'm going to form him from the dust of the earth. And then it's kind of like that potter. He forms him into a manly man and he says, now I'm going to breathe the breath of life into him. I'm going to breathe. You see the intimacy here? 
in contrast to the rest of creation. God wants to be up close and personal with man. He says, I'm going to make him in my image. In other words, he's going to give him us endowments, whereas we, we're, not, we're not governed by cause and effect. We're not governed by just sheer instinct. That's just the way I am. We have the abilities to choose between a right and wrong, to originate our own choices. That's the beauty of, our, of being creatures in, in the likeness of our God, our creator. It's the most wonderful gift that he could ever endowed someone with. The ability to say yes to him or no to him. The, the ability to respond to him or to run from him. He wanted to be up close and personal. And so he took from the dust of the earth and he formed and breathed the breath of life. And then what else did he do? He, he, when, when Eve came along, what did he do? He, he, he did another incredibly intimate thing and he took a rib from Adam's side and he took that rib and he began to form and produce a beautiful shape, a beautiful form, a beautiful woman out of Adam's side. Bone of my bone, blood of my blood. And he brought her to the man and he said, here, it's not good for you to be alone. Do you see God's sensitivity to the needs of human beings, to the needs of people? I love his tender heart. Well, so now we have the first couple. We have the first marriage. And there's many firsts in Genesis. Um, there's the first marriage. And now we might say we have the first moonlight stroll. Because here it is that God, we find God, Adam and Eve in the garden, walking hand in hand in the cool of the day, having communion and fellowship. And who knows what they were talking about. I can just imagine all the, the, the mysteries uh, of wisdom and knowledge and understanding and, 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 um, and uh, destiny and future hopes and dreams and aspirations and the significance and the value that he had placed in them. God depositing all of these things into the hearts and the minds of Adam and Eve. What an intimate relationship. God says, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it even entered the heart of men, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. This is the way it was supposed to be. And Paul stated it the same way. He says, you were created by him. You were created for him, for this intimate relationship with God. And here's the sad thing is, in my Bible, I've written this quote. And if you don't have him and have him deeply, your heart will run to other lovers and breaks the heart of God in the process. We are created for him because we were created by him. And he wants and he's jealous. When he says he's a jealous God, it's because he's jealous for that place in your heart that was, belongs to him, created by him and for him. But when we fill that place up with other idols, it breaks his heart. Breaks his heart. 
But unfortunately, that is indeed the legacy of many. Here's how Jeremiah puts it. He says that my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me. Now get the metaphor here. The metaphor is that God is likened to a fountain of living water. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. And here's the other one. They have dug for themselves cisterns. These are broken cisterns, as a matter of fact, Jeremiah says. And these, note the contrast. The contrast is between a, a, a fresh flowing spring full of living water in compared to these dugout man-made cisterns that don't even hold water, but what they, water is runoff water. And not only does it not only does it catch runoff water, it catches stuff like silt and mosquito larvae, and they just leak as well. What a picture of rejecting what we are created for, the relationship for false gods and false items, idols. Trading the best for worst is what Jeremiah says. Here's how Isaiah says it. He says, and he, he doesn't just say it, he cries out to the nation. He cries out to the people of Israel. He says, all of you who are thirsty, I want you to come to the waters. If you are thirsty, come, come, come. He says it three times over. Come, come, come. Why are you spending money? Why are you spending resources on that which doesn't satisfy don't you know where the real living water is? Don't you know where the real bread is that satisfies? There's another metaphor for this personal, intimate relationship that God is calling for. Do you hear him calling for you for that relationship this morning? That's the relationship that he longs for. Jesus, re, uh, Jesus says the same thing. He, he uses these same words. In fact, he uses the same verse. In, uh, years later in the Temple Mount. And he's actually, he's calling to everyone, but he's there at the Temple Mount where religious people of all kinds are doing a lot of different things in order to be satisfied. You can be a very religious person and not even have any kind of connection in, with God himself. You can be a very religious person going through a whole lot of different motions and doing a whole lot of different things, laboring even, and not be in an intimate, personal relationship with the living God. And so Jesus stands up and he cries out with a loud voice, every one of you who is thirsty, I want you to come to me and drink because I've got waters, living waters that you know not of, and they can spring up from your innermost being that place where he has created you to be in connection with him and in relationship with him. Come, anyone. You know, Martha, I'm, I'm talking about laboring and doing things instead of sitting at Jesus' feet. I'm reminded that Martha, Mary and Martha and Lazarus at, 
at their home when Jesus visited. You see Martha laboring, anxious about many things, running about serving this, serving that, doing this, doing that, and getting exasperated with Mary, her sister, because Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. She thought she was doing nothing. Jesus said she's doing the one thing necessary. She is hearing from the Creator. She is hearing from the Savior. And He's pouring out the mysteries of all creation and eternity into the depths of her being, giving her value and significance, reason for living, and why am I here and what am I here for? Where did I come from? Where am I going? One thing, that one thing, Jesus said, will not be taken from her. So here's the call. It's a call to come to me and drink, he says. And he's, this is, he's speaking of the Spirit, and he says to us today, as he said to Moses, get up to this high mountain place. Get up to the high places. Get up here into the presence of God. And this is where you're going to find several different things. That high place might be your basement, that high place might be your closet. That high place might be the garage. That high place might be wherever it is that you can get still and quiet and be still and know that God is your God. That God is your God. That God is not just a God. That God is not just a God that you have heard about or you talk about. But he is your God because you are in relationship with him personally, by experience. That's the call today. Here's what's going to happen when we come into the presence of the, of the living God. He says that if you will come up here, and by the way, when you get up to, into the high places, when you, have you ever gone up into a high mountain? We went to uh, Johnson City and we went into a, stayed at a bed and breakfast out in the middle of a uh, um, a series of hills and mountains. I don't know if I'd call them mountains exactly, but they were very high places. And, and I went up to the top of this one, and, you know, it was a three, 360-degree vi, uh, uh, visual all around. And you could see for miles and miles up there. The air is clearer up there. The air is cleaner up there. The vision is clearer. You can see clearer. You can think more clearly. You can get to know God up there in that high place intimately by personal experience. Up there, you get a broader view of things. You, uh, you get a different perspective. In other words, he, I think God is wanting to sometimes give us um, a better perspective of things, getting us our heads above the rubble down here on earth and give us a heavenly vision versus an earthly vision, an eternal vision versus a here and now view of things, a different perspective, because that'll keep us motivated and keep us alive in this relationship. I remember uh, that old song that says, this world is not my home, just a passing through. Treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. I cannot feel at home in this world anymore. I think that was Abraham's song, you know? Because the angels were always beckoning him and it said of Abraham that he saw a city that was not of the earth that he was longing for. 
That was the promise, the eternal promise for Abraham. I think that God is also trying to loosen our grip on this world that we have uh, such, sometimes tighten our grip around. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe he's trying to get the grip of this world off of us. Instead, if we get to the high places, that's where these things are going to happen. Getting to the high places will help us to know here, to know where, who we are and why we are here. Exodus 19 verse 4 again says that we are to be a kingdom of priests. Do you feel like a priest this morning? Do you identify with the call of God to, to, to perform the role of a priest in your world? God says that you are a kingdom of priests, and Isaiah uh, says it the same way, but you shall be called the priests of the Lord, and the nations are going to speak of you as ministers of our God. Peter then later on down down the road, he says, you are a chosen people. Do you feel like a chosen people? Do you see yourself as a chosen people? Do you see yourself as a royal priesthood? God says that you're a royal priesthood and a holy nation, a nation set apart to him for his purposes, that you are a people belonging to him. Why? So that you can declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You can't declare the praises of somebody that you don't know very intimately. How is your praise? Or is it mostly complaint? We can sometimes determine how close a relationship that we have with the Lord by what comes out of our mouths. Isaiah 61, 3, he uses another metaphor, Isaiah does. And he says, here's here's what you're going to be called. He said, he's going to call you trees. You're going to be a tree. If you're in relationship a living relationship with God, you will be a tree. And in this case, he says, you'll be like an oak of righteousness that bears fruit in its season. You can look it up in Isaiah 61. You'll bear fruit. Now look, you'll be be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. What for? For the display of his splendor. That's his character and his nature. In other words, we will reflect his character and nature if we are in close communion and intimate relationship with God. Trees don't need to be told to bear leaves or to bear fruit. They just do it. Ezekiel's vision in Ezekiel chapter 47 Ezekiel sees trees also, and they are planted on both sides of the river of life that's coming from the sanctuary. This is another metaphor of the Holy Spirit's presence and people being engaged with the Holy Spirit. People being being trees planted next to that river of life that flows from the sanctuary or the presence of God. Do you see the picture there? It's a metaphor. It's a vision that that God gives Ezekiel to identify 
what he is longing to see in us, to, to bring identity to us and to, and to paint a picture of destiny. So what is that identity? That we are trees, oaks of righteousness, planted by rivers of living water. Our, our roots going, growing down deep into that water. He says everywhere that water flows, it brings life. It revives. It brings dead things to life again. It brings, restores meaning and purpose, significance and value. He says, if you are an oak of righteousness planted along that river of life, engaged with, in connection with the Holy Spirit of God, you'll bear fruit. And the picture here is that you'll bear, bear fruit. He says, these trees are going to bear fruit every month. These trees are going to bear fruit, and you know what they're going to do? Here's your identity. You're, you're, you're going to bear fruit, and that fruit of your life is going to be for nourishment for the nations, nourishment for the peoples, and your leaves are going to be for their healing. Are you being fruitful? Are you nourishing anybody? Friends, family, acquaintances. Are you bringing health and healing to anyone? That's the call of God. That if you will get intimate with me, if you will get up close and personal with me and stay there continually drawing from these wells of this fresh water that brings life, then I'm going to use you individually and corporately to bring life in your very world. Here God begins to reveal boundaries in this place, in this secret place, in this high place. God begins to reveal boundaries and territories. Now, what do I mean by that? When I first came back to the Lord, we started going down to another church downtown that I had remembered being at one day because they had a, a the music was just Cool. And I didn't know where to go to anymore. I didn't have a church when I, when I came back to the Lord. I didn't know where to go. So we, we went down there. And I can remember week after week when we'd go in there and the service was over. There was such an awesome sense of the presence of God. I could not leave. I did not want to leave the presence of God. I had missed out on the presence of God for so many years that I just... You can ask my wife. She would be out in the car waiting and waiting and waiting on me. And I'm back in there, you know, and I'm just standing there with my hands raised, my head bowed, and just, just, I'm, I'm, I'm just desperate for the presence of God in my life again. And one day when I was standing there with my head bowed, my eyes closed, and there, I know that everybody was almost gone, but some guy walked up to me and he, he starts saying, you know, uh, I don't know who you are, but God wants you to know that um, he's going to reveal to you his, your boundaries and, and this and that, and something about boundaries. And I'm like, you know, what does that mean? Who are you and why are you telling me this? I had no idea. I, I was scared that I was going outside of boundaries of God or something, you know, that I've done something wrong. And, and so I went home and I thought about that and I prayed about that for a while. And then um, right, right after that, John and Debbie Johnston came to the house and they had a suite of office furniture that they brought to me, which was a very significant act in my restoration 
in my, my calling before the Lord because I'd put away all of those studies. I'd put away, I didn't even have a desk anymore and all that stuff. But that desk is a large desk with a glass top. And when I put that into my, my, my study, I pulled that top up and I was compelled to pull out all the pictures of my family, immediate family, my extended family members, my step family members, my in-laws and my outlaws. I just, I, I, and if you look at my desk today, it's just covered. There's not a space left. Why? Why? God began to put it into my heart. Dave, here's your, here's your boundaries. This is where your territory is for now. I want you to begin to, to bring them to the mountaintop, and I want you to bring, begin to bring, make intercessory prayer for them. Begin to cry out that I would come and visit them. Begin to cry out that I would come and nourish them and heal them. Begin to cry out that they would have a longing to come back to, to me as well. Those were my boundaries. That was the territory that God began to set in my life at that time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> at about the same time, I found this coin. It was a brass coin. And on one side, it had a picture of a large hand and a small hand. And in that large hand was a baton being passed on to that little hand on that coin. I cherished that greatly because when I came back to the Lord, my only heart's desire was to pass on to my sons those things that I had neglected for so many years, the good things of God. On the flip side of that coin was Psalm 78. It says that we will pass on the goodness and the kindness of the Lord and the, and the great miracles and the, and the things that he has done from generation to generation and hand that on down. I want to grab that baton today and I want to keep on passing those things on and the goodness of our God and the intimacy of our God from generation to generation. <clears throat> Here God begins to expand these boundaries. He begins to extend our tent stakes and he begins to deposit visions and dreams and fu of future and destiny through this intimate communication and communion. Why? Because he's the ultimate dream maker. Jabez had a dream. When Jabez was born, his mom was in such pain, she named him Pain. You brought pain. You bring pain. It's, it, it, the Hebrew names were almost prophetic in that, that almost, um, it almost set the course of their lives. And Jabez knew it and he didn't want that. And he cried out to God and he said, God, I pray that you will bless me. And don't let me be painful and don't bring pain to me. But he says, I pray that you will extend my boundaries and extend my territory and make me a blessing. In other words, he's asking God to reverse the curse there and God heard his prayer. He will hear your prayer as well for those same things. I want to be a blessing. Don't you? Yeah. Amen. <clears throat> God answered him, and here God will paint a picture of the future and destiny that not only for you, but for your families and your wider sphere of godly influence. From Adam all the way to you and me, God has taken great pains to have a godly heritage or a godly lineage in the earth from generation to generation. Yes, the enemy, the arch enemy of our souls has tried to snuff out the heritage of God and the lineage of God in the earth. 
But God has overcome. And, 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 and my question this morning to you would be, what is the legacy that you are leaving to you, to your family? Yes, to your children, but how about to the other members of your family and to your sphere of, of influence? What legacy are we leaving? Are we leaving a legacy that, of intimacy with God that we know God, we know the greatness of God, and we, can, and, and we, and, and we understand what he is able to do in us and through us if we will just give him all of ourselves? Here on is a, is, is a list of just a whole bunch of people down through time in history that have met with God and known him for themselves and what has happened in their lives and the things that they have changed, how they have changed and the peoples that they have changed. After going all the way back to Adam and, and the devastation there of, of Adam and Eve's son Cain killing Abel. Recognize, I, think Abel I think that Cain recognized that Abel uh, had favor with God and that he was going to be the line of God's blessing and God's um, purposes in the earth. And so uh, Cain rises up and kills Abel. But you know what? God's story didn't stop there because then Eve says that God gave her another another son, and his name was Seth. His name means God appointed in his place. So it's recorded that and when Seth was born and when his son was born, men began to call on God again, and they began to testify to the miracles and the, and the might and the power of God again to, the, to one another, unlike Saul and his generations. And you don't, Esau, I mean, you don't want to read much about Esau's generations. It was an evil generation. And then from, from uh, Seth and his heritage, down the line came Enoch, and it's recorded of, of Enoch that he walked with God. I want to walk with God in my day. Noah then, as a, a, a future generation of Enoch's, and it's, it's recorded of Noah that he was righteous in his generation. But not many else, not many others were. Because it's recorded that in Noah's generation that almost every man did only what was evil in, his, in the sight of God. And so God had to make a stop. He had to bring this thing, whole thing to a stop. And it broke his heart to have to do it. But God made a covenant with Noah because he was righteous in his generation and he believed God and he obeyed God and his obedience was a long obedience because it took about 500 years for him to build that ark. But he did it, and he did it in the face of much mockery. And then Noah had Shem and Ham and Japheth, and Shem was the oldest, and, 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 uh, and he, he, he became the great-grandfather of Abraham. Ten generations down, but nevertheless, uh, something of a godly generation and a righteousness and, and a, and a, and a, and a, and a um, personal intimate relationship with God was passed on from generation to generation and so it comes down to, to Abraham and God establishes his, his covenant with Abraham and he says I'm going to bless you Abraham and, I'm, and through you I'm going to bless the rest of the world. I want God to bless me and I want to be a blessing to the rest of my world, don't you? So 
in order to fulfill this destiny of, of Abraham's, God calls Abraham to do some things that maybe some of us would not be willing to do. He calls Abraham out of his country. He calls him away from his kin, kin, kindred. And he calls him out of his father's house. And these are things in which most, most of us will find our identity and our significance and security. But God wants Abraham to find it in him and him alone. And he wants us to find those same things in him and him alone. God promises Abraham a son and heir. And, and Abraham is in such covenant relationship with God, in such personal intimate relationship with God, that he offers up that very one that God gave him, that very son and he, that he longed for. He gives it back to God. And as a result, God, God calls him friend and trustworthy. Many more, God, uh, Abraham, Abraham to Isaac, uh, Jacob, Isaac's son. God appears personally and establishes his covenant with each one of them personally. In other words, we cannot ride, we cannot ride anyone else's coattails when it comes to a personal relationship with God. Isaac could not ride the coattail of his father Abraham. Jacob could not ride the coattail of his father Isaac. Each one of them had to have a personal encounter with God himself. And God began to paint what could happen if they kept that covenant relationship with him and what would change in the future. Jacob wrestles with God when, when, when God calls him to go back to the God of his father. He wrestles with God and he finally overcomes. How does he do it? He overcomes by surrendering. You remember, but God had to break his thigh. That thigh bone is the strongest bone in the body. That bone represents the strongest of strongholds in our lives. And God wants to break through. And Jacob breaks through by surrendering to God himself. And he is marked for life with a limp. I pray that God will mark each one of us as we surrender to him and we, we have a breakthrough. When he tells him to go back to the God of his father, he has to face Esau. And then he has to face himself. And he has to face his past. Because Jacob was a deceiver and a manipulator. But he finally gets honest with God and with, he, with himself. And in the presence of God, he finds sweet surrender. Not to speak of Joseph. Joseph was extremely intimate with God. And he was a man who stood up to life's tests. He was a man of integrity. He was a man that God could trust with his dreams and others' dreams. However, you know the story that he found himself in unfair and unjust circumstances, but at the same time, he learns to trust God and forgive. In uh, Celebrate Recovery, about a week ago, I, um, I used an acrostic, and we, we, we use acrostic for our lessons all the time. And I used this word, unfair, U-N-F-A-I-R, as an acrostic, it pretty well typifies Joseph's circumstances. It may typify some of our circumstances. You, of course, being for what? Unjust or unfair. N could be for just not the way things are supposed to be. 
plans maybe that have been blown apart. F could be for just plain fell short of all of my expectations and things are not the way that I had hoped and I am deeply disappointed. A for answers. None. I have none. No answers. They're just non-existent for me right now. And I, as I'm all alone, again. And R, R just takes all of those other letters and wraps them up in the hope of restoration and redeeming, redemption and recovery and rebuilding. Because when we come into agreement with God and we answer the call to, of God to come to him and to, to surrender our lives and our brokenness and our or disorganization and chaos and questions and disappointments and hurts and wounds, whatever, God says that I will restore you. I will reconcile you to myself and I will rebuild you. And I will redeem all of that. He says that he will redeem the years that the locust has eaten. Moses spoke with God face to face as a man with his friend. I want to be a friend of God. Joshua refused to leave the very presence of God at the tent of meeting. And Caleb had a different spirit. He, was, he had a positive spirit and he believed God. But he, was, he had that poor, he, he was one of those that was poor in spirit, broken and contrite, hungry and thirsty. He had a pureness about him. And God says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Samuel, he learned to know the voice of God from his youth. David was a man after God's heart. As a deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs for you, God, David said. David would sit before the Lord and inquire of him. David said, I will seek you and I will seek you early, Lord. There were many women in, 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 down through uh, God's history that were intimate with God. I remember Deborah who won battles because men wouldn't step up. God couldn't find a man to do the work. She surely had intimacy with God in order to be brave enough to lead uh, uh, an army against the foe and defeat them. Esther. Remember Esther before the king? She found out that there was a plot to destroy her people the children of Israel. And Mordecai told her, if you will go in before the king, I believe that there might be hope for our people. Esther knew that if she went into the presence of the king without being summoned, she would die. And she said, I've got to do it. And if I perish, I perish. I think that Esther had confidence because of her intimate personal relationship with Jehovah God. Moses' mother saw something special about him and kept him alive and he became the deliverer for God's people, Israel. After deep prayer and begging God for a son, Hannah bore Samuel. God answered her prayer and then she said, I promise I'll give him back to you, God, if you'll give him to me. She gave him back to God and to Eli the priest and he grew up to judge Israel and to anoint David and they changed the whole history and, and future of the nation of Israel 
He impacted, they impacted a nation. Not to speak of Mary, the mother of Jesus, though a virgin. And she believed the angel of the Lord when he came to her and said, you're going to be the mother of the Redeemer, of the Messiah, who will save all people from their sins. She just said, well, be it unto me according to your word. Do it, God. That's the intimacy that she had with her God. That's the intimacy that God is calling for from us, to believe him for the impossible. Not to speak of Mary Magdalene who poured out all she had upon Jesus' feet, her whole life savings, because he and she who is forgiven much loves much. Mary, we've already talked about Mary. Martha's sister kneeling at Jesus' feet as he spoke eternity of the mysteries of, in the deep places into her heart, giving her significance and value. She found the bread of life. She found the living water. She found that which quenches the longings of every heart right there at Jesus' feet. And Jesus called it the one thing necessary that would not be taken from her. In every generation, God is looking for men and women just like you and me who will respond to this upward call to get to know him intimately for ourselves, personally, by experience, to call upon him, to walk with him, to love him more than life, to surrender all and obey him like all of these men and women of old who loved not their lives even unto death. These heroes of the faith, some of whom the world was not even worthy, but people just like us who were changed when they came into the presence of God and entered into this intimate personal relationship with God. They were changed and they found the power to change their very own world. God wants to know if we are willing to respond to his call to come to the high places and to enter into this relationship and impact our world. Every single one of us, both individually and corporately, can be a stone in the hand of our, our God being thrown into a pond and seeing a ripple effect. Every one of our lives can be a ripple effect for the King of kings and the Lord of lords if we just surrender to him place our lives into his hands. Let him throw us out into our world. That ripple effect, sometimes those waves go out so far, we don't even see how far they go. We don't see who we are affecting, but God saw, sees, and he knows that they, those ripples of, of the effect of our lives can go out further than we can see and imagine. There's also that cumulative effect the cumulative effect of our lives and the choices of our lives. The, the more we choose to give ourselves over to him to use in his hand, that weight, that cumulative effect becomes weightier and weightier. I want to impact my world for our God. I want us corporately as a church to impact the world around us, the territories that God has given to us. I want to impact them. My heart is, longs for him, for his presence. Every morning, I used to go in, and I still do for that matter, 
I just don't do this song as much anymore. But there's a song, an old song that my mom and daddy used to sing. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known listen to this he speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet the birds hush their singing and that melody that he sings to me within my heart it's ringing that he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own and the joy that we share as we tarry there none other has ever He wants you to know that joy for yourself. No one else can experience the joy of this intimate relationship for you. He's calling for that today. And if you haven't, if you haven't been with him recently, it's time. I'm just... This message was what God put into my heart for me. Dave, I miss you. We can get busy and busy and busy doing even good things, works of the ministry, and miss out on that intimate, personal time with God. He misses us. I miss him when I'm not there with him. Amen. Lord, I just thank you for the call that you that we we sense this morning. That call from your own heart to come, Lord, into your into this intimate personal relationship, Lord. It's it's not a difficult thing, but it's but it's a costly thing. You say that if we want to know you, that it will cost us everything that we have. If we want to know your your rule in our lives, Lord, your benevolent rule, your, your loving and wise and intelligent rule in our lives, and to know this, this relationship for ourselves, you say that you ask us for everything. You ask us to give up all of our own rule. You ask us to give, us, give up all of our own uh, determinations, Lord, what we want to do with our own life and, and, and the direction that we want to go in, Lord, that you, 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 know what is best. You're the most wise, benevolent, and intelligent governor there is. You want to come in, and you want to sup with us. You want to have this personal relationship with us, God. You promise that it will be worth it all. So, Lord, if there's anybody in here this morning that has not experienced 
this relationship with you that you are longing for, I pray that they will humble themselves before you, that they will turn away from their own selfish rule and governing, and that they will turn their lives completely over to your benevolence, to your love, to your wise and intelligent direction, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. May the Lord delight in you as you go in and you go out and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. You all are dismissed.